This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. As uh, I'm getting ready, I'm going to be talking about going deeper today as we continue our series. And we're going to be discussing evangelism, but... For those of you that's heard me preach, teach, speak, whatever before, I kind of do things in a little different way. Um, Evangelism, and when most churches talk about evangelism, and when I've been talked to about evangelism, it revolves around what I should be doing, right? It revolves around that you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And understanding that evangelism is something that we should be doing got about three people. It is, about, it is something that we should be doing. But what I'm going to discuss today is some of the reasons why we're not doing it and what we need to have right here in Montgomery, Alabama to get back to doing what God has called us to do. Amen? Now, this is your opportunity at this moment. As you go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians, whether it's on your iPad or your iPhone or your Bible, whatever you choose to use, before we get into the Word, this is your opportunity this morning that you get to decide whether or not you came to church just because you thought you should come to church, or whether or not you decide that, you know what, today I am ground. And because I am ground or I am soil, I decide right now that for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to be good soil. I'm going to be soil that what is about to come forth will go into my life, and I don't want a 30-fold return. I don't want a 60-fold return. I want a 100-fold return on what's going to be sown into my life. Is there anybody in here today that's that way? All right, guys, now I'm going to refresh you. And the youth are coming back out today because I want them out here today because it's very important, some of the things that I'm going to be sharing and showing that they hear this. But when I'm ministering and different things like that, I do not mind you going amen. I don't mind you going oh me. Just do not elbow your neighbor. Okay, we do not want to have the ushers escorting anybody out or any of those type things. Amen? Now, how many of you are over at 1 Corinthians? We're going to start in verse 7. And again, the title of today is, is Knowing God is More Than Just an Hour on Sunday. Going deeper. Deeper in understanding evangelism. And I'm going to get to the uh, key scripture here, but we're going to start just a little bit before that. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's hold that up there for just a minute because I like breaking things down as I go. I want you to realize Paul wrote this, but who did he write it to? Church. He wrote it to the church of Corinth. So today, the way that I want you to look at this is is Paul is still speaking to us 2,000 years later, and he is saying to CLC, hey, everybody in CLC, 
You have every spiritual gift you need. You already have everything that you need through Jesus to live the life that Jesus died and paid the price for. You already have everything that you need to impact the people that God has placed in your life. And evangelism, ladies and gentlemen, is just that. It is impacting people that God has placed in your life. There are going to be people that you're going to come in contact with that I am never going to see. I'm not going to go to your job place. I may never come to your home. I may not know your extended family, but you do. And before we go any further, I want you to realize you've got what you need. Now, again, I like participation, and if you're new here and you don't want to participate, that's fine. Just don't do it. My wife is loud enough to make up for about 40 folks. See? So, what I want you to say when I tell you to is I got it. I want you to say it now. I want you to say it again. Now. That don't mean Ebola. My wife is quite hilarious, and she said the other day about something, and, you know, after 26 years of marriage, it's amazing some of the things that come out of her. And uh, she said something about, you know, these people are getting scared, and they're, you know, it's amazing how fear is trying to run rampant. You know, that's how Satan works. And, and she made a comment. She said, they are going to have a better chance of getting Ebola as they would a Ebola ice cream. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> I didn't say it right. I know, baby. I'm sorry. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Okay, I'll read it. There it is. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Verse 9. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now think about that, ladies and gentlemen. We are in partnership with Jesus. I do not know if you realize it or not, but Jesus is no longer on this earth. He is no longer here. But in that process, what he has done, because he gave us who he is, all of those things that he gave us are taking the place of who Jesus is. So the reality of it is, is that when somebody sees you, they're actually seeing a part of Jesus. Now, let me flip it over to the other side. If we're not following Jesus, then who are they actually seeing? Now, we're not going to talk about that. This is where you do not elbow your neighbor, and especially your spouse. You don't, you know, you don't go in there and you don't do any of those type things. But in this process, we are in partnership with Jesus. And please understand this. The partnership is not a one-way street that we just go through life hoping that one day something good would happen and just exist 
We are in partnership with Jesus because he has given us something to do in each and every one of us that will impact society. And just in case you do not realize, your society and your arena to impact people is right here in Montgomery, Alabama. Because that's where God's placed you. Now, I will say this, and please don't get angry at me because everybody likes their different cities, and I'm going to get into some history here in a few minutes. But, you know, if you do not like where you are, move. <laughs> Life is too short for you not to enjoy where you are. Amen? We are all in partnership. And how many of you know that God is the best chess player there is? He knows how to place people. And a lot of times you may not understand why he's placed you somewhere until you start doing and being what you need to do and be while you're there. And then in the process, things start evolving. And one day you wake up and go, oh, that's why you brought me here. Amen? Now, we are in partnership with Jesus. I want that to get deep down on the inside of you. And please understand this. Being partners with Jesus is not based upon your level of spirituality. Being a partner with Jesus is based upon you receiving what he did for you and then growing in that spirituality. Because so many of us, and I've been guilty of it, and churches, we want people to arrive at a certain point before we partner with them to change people's lives. Now the reality of it is, is can we not work together in partnership with Jesus where people are, and then let the Holy Spirit do what needs to be done in people's lives, but at the same time, impacting people for God. Because, see, you do not really know how to play the game until you get in it. Many of us yesterday watched football. Lord, help me, Jesus. I told you, don't start that. Now, I don't, I'm a Tennessee fan, guys. I was raised in Tennessee. And, and listen, get, stop it. I've got a half a feeling left, and y'all are about to get rid of it. I am tired of saying next year. I'm tired of going on next year. Oh, and people come up and go, oh, yeah, we beat the living brains out of you guys, but y'all look good. No, we didn't. We got beat again. But the worm always turns. But see, this is the reality of that game. Is I can be a fan and have been for 30-something years, and I can very easily look at that game and decide and gripe and complain about what they should do because I'm in the safety of the stands. But once I get in that game, and I'm getting involved in that game, and I'm getting hit in the mouth, 
then I understand what this game is really about. Then I can have an input. Because see, go on to the next verse because I'm setting this up. When you're in the game and you're involved in the game and you're going deeper and see the game that a church has is lives. That's, that's what it is. And when I'm in that game and I am playing that game and I'm involved in that game, then it's a lot less, what's the word I'm looking for, easier for me to gripe and complain because I'm actually involved. That's why Paul told the Corinth church, because he knows Paul's a smart guy. He knew that all churches were going to have one thing in common. It's full of imperfect people. <laughs> Paul knew that there was going to be some people that knew how to keep their mouth shut, and there was going to be others that just don't know how. Paul knew that there was going to be some people that was going to sit around and gripe about the music. Going to gripe about it's hot, it's cold, it's this, it's that, it's, you know. He knew all of those things. That's why he told them in this next verse, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority invested in me. I now pronounce you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> by the authority. <laughs> Y'all got to quit messing with me. Of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, say one mind. One mind. One mind. One mind. United in thought and purpose. Yes. Now, we will never come into, leave this scripture up, we will never come into agreement about what everybody wants. It's not going to happen. We can never come into agreement about what color we want things. You don't believe me. All you got to do is, is watch a person or a couple that's married and see how many things they disagree about. And it's only two of them. Right? And so you put 50, 75, 100, 200, 300 people together. Man! But what Paul is saying is, is don't concentrate on the minors. Focus on what? Being united in what? Thought and purpose. Because see, evangelism, guys, is a thought. Evangelism is a purpose. And we may never come into agreement, and we probably won't. And I know some people say, oh, one of these days all the churches are going to get along, everybody's just going to get along, because you know that's just the way. Are you crazy? It's not going to happen because we're people. We're human beings and we're flawed. And what I like, you're not going to like. Kent, Alabama and Tennessee. You know? But yet they have one common thing is, and guess what that common denominator is? They love football and the SEC. Now, I'm going to throw this out there real quickly because i got to hurry up. I despise Florida Gators. I am one of those teams 
And it's, it, I don't know why, but it's just something that's happened to me. I guess I got bit by a gator when I was young. I don't know. But I root for anybody that's playing them. But come the bowl games, and when the SEC is being represented across the board in the bowl games, believe it or not, I root for Florida. Because why? They're part of the family. Right? Now, could you imagine what that mindset and what would happen in the church if that took place? Could you imagine what would happen in the city? Because, see, what I'm here to discuss with you today is that God has placed us in Montgomery, Alabama for a purpose. And we've got to come together in one thought, one purpose, and allow God to stir some things up on the inside of us to where we can impact people because of the impact he's had in our lives. And again, we can talk about evangelism, we can talk about these things all day long, but the reality of it is, is that I believe that there are some things that, are, that is missing in our mindset and our viewpoint in the church today that we're going to bring out today. And I'm going to show you some pictures here in just a few minutes of some individuals that were willing to sacrifice absolutely everything because they believed in the purpose. And they came together in one mind and one accord. And you know what happened? They changed the world. And thank God that it happened. Amen? Amen? Evangelizing is realizing that we are in partnership with Jesus. We've taken his place. This is our thought and our purpose. Real quickly, turn over to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And again, I'm speaking out of the New Living Translation. It says, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. Now, please understand this. A church is not supposed to be a country club for Christians. Does that mean that I'm not supposed to go to church and that's where I get healed? No, that's not what I'm saying. But yet, anytime the church becomes so inward focused, then what they do is, is they lose their ability to impact the area that God has placed them in. Because, see, a church is supposed to be a hospital. It's not supposed to be a country club. And thinking... And seeing things that way, is God going to meet your need when you come to CLC? Absolutely. I believe he will. But I also believe that God can meet your need so many times by you getting before God and letting him meet your need. That went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? I'd much rather somebody else just come and tell me what to do. For those of you that's raised kids, God help us all. Isn't it much better when you start seeing your children having to work things out and grow and mature themselves? And aren't those the lessons that stick with them lifelong? Now, our father, shouldn't he be the same? Isn't he kind of the same way? Absolutely he is. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. In, verse, in John chapter 20, verse 21, and you can write this down, and I'm kind of going quick. Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me... So I am sending you. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
And then some of his last words before he went to the Father was, As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Now, when we break down what Jesus was and what he looked like in the process of Father sending him to this world, there are some ingredients that Jesus had that I think that we have to have. Because without those two, two ingredients, I believe evangelism is just an empty word. I believe it doesn't mean anything. To be like Jesus, we've got to have these ingredients. The first, there's two of them that I'm going to discuss real quickly. The first one is compassion. Jesus was full of compassion. And just in case you do not understand what compassion means, I do have the definition for it. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong passion, desire to alleviate the suffering. Now understand this. You can be moved emotionally by something that is happening in somebody's life. But you will do nothing to alleviate that until you have passion. We can have compassion all day long in this church. But until we mix that compassion with passion, we're just plain church. We're just going through the motions. And see, compassion is that ability to see a need and have a desire to minister and to help that need, but if passion is not mixed with that, absolutely nothing is going to take place. Now let me ask you a question. I just want to throw this out there. Could that be the reason why churches all over this country are no longer turning their cities upside down with love, with mercy and grace? You don't have to answer that. Just think about that. I've had the fortune to go to Africa numerous times. One thing that I can say about going to Africa and working with people over there is they are passionate about what they do. And you know what happens because they're passionate? They're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to bring the past that which they're compassionate about and that which they're passionate about. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, he was full of compassion. And passion is what drove him to the cross. Passion for you and I is what made him endure what he endured so that you and I could have life and life more abundantly. So that we can be reconciled, so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be put back in right standing with God. It was passion that took place. Would you agree with that? Now, what would you think could happen if we used what God had given us, allowed on the inside of us compassion to rise up, but then mix it with passion. What would take place in this city? 
And I'm not talking about trying to get everybody to straighten up. Please understand that. That's not evangelism. And a lot of Christians think that is. Well, my job is to preach the word to them. And, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach the word to them. And then they're going to straighten up. And then they're going to get before God. You know, guys, let me clarify something. I got saved as a young boy. I was treated extremely terrible because of the poverty I lived in. See, discrimination, guys, is not just a black thing or a white thing. There's many different aspects of discrimination. Everybody ostracized me. Everybody talked about me. I had no friends, all those things, because my parents were both alcoholics. My dad went to prison. He was a dope dealer. And I heard people say time and time again, oh, that's one of them Smith boys. He's never going to amount to anything. I heard those kind of things. And as a little kid, you're thinking, I didn't do a thing. I'm just here. I couldn't choose who my mom and dad was. Sorry. You know, so my friends became trees. Y'all going to think I'm nuts. I spent a lot of time out in the woods. But see, God started doing some things in me. And somebody was moved with compassion and passion towards the Smith household. And all of a sudden, a guy started coming by, and none of the family would go to church. But I was like, I'll get out of here. I'll go to church. Take me. <laughs> I'm gone. I don't know what we're going to do there. What is church? And you know what's interesting is over time I went to church, and then one Wednesday night, as the pastor was finishing out the service, I remember his name to this day. I knew there was this hole and void on the inside of me. I knew it. I knew everything wasn't going to get fixed in my life either. I knew that. But I knew I needed to fill this void on the inside of me. And I can remember, I went outside. Because Wednesday night, you know, all the kids go outside. And we had a our graveyard beside the place. And this is country, guys. We used to go play in the graveyard. You know, that was our place to go play in. But <laughs> anyways, that Wednesday night, I went back into the church. And a gentleman named Mr. Stover. I went back in and came up to him, and I said, you know, I don't really understand what that pastor was talking about. I said, but I, I need somebody to pray with me. And you know something Mr. Stover did not do? When he'd been, you know, going to church forever and a day, he did not say, Steve, I'll tell you what you need to do. Before I can pray this with you, I need you to go home, get some better clothes on, I need you to go home and fix some things. I need you to go home and straighten this out and take care of this. And when you get all of those things worked out, come on back. None of those things happened. What took place was, was just as you, what happened with you, and if you're not here today, it can happen to you, is God accepted me exactly the way I was. And see, he accepted you right the way you was. See, sometimes, and I was having this conversation with some people, sometimes we forget that others aren't where we are, but neither were we when we first started. <laughs> and what we try to do is, is get others to line up with where we are because, after all, we've arrived. 
I don't think that's God. Oh, shucks, I love that. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But the reality of it is it doesn't work that way, does it? No. And that's what evangelism, guys, 101 is all about, is accepting people for where they are. And I've got to hurry this up. Just as evangelism does not happen without compassion, compassion is powerless without passion. You can't even have the word compassion without passion. One works with the other. Now, what I'm about to talk about and discuss with you real quickly is I love history. I uh, am a big uh, student of history. I especially, my favorite studying of history is the Civil Rights Movement. And some of y'all going, well, you why? What that mean to you? I'm human. What it means to me is, and the reason I love studying the Civil Rights Movement, is because it was absolutely filled with individuals that had compassion and put their passion with the compassion and changed this very city. And not only changed this very city, but changed this state. And not only changed this state, but changed South. And changed this country and ultimately changed the world. Because why? Ordinary people filled with compassion and passion can do extraordinary things. And see, some of the pictures that I'm about to show you is just going to remind some of us of some of these individuals because these individuals, now you, and, and maybe some of you were here today that was in the Civil Rights Movement. If you wasn't and you lived in this area, you lived in the South, your parents probably were. And it could have been on either side. We've come a long way. You don't believe we've come a long way, you would not have seen what happened on this platform happen. Thank God we've come a long way. Thank God that people are finally seeing people for who they are, not anything else. That we're all children of God that's got some issues. Amen? This first person. And I don't want you to show your hands, but when I found out I was moving here, when I actually came here and I would talk with a pastor and Denise and them and, and get counsel and wisdom for our church back in Georgia, guess what I would do almost every time I came here? I'd go downtown. I'd walk where Dr. King walked. I'd read all those signs. I'd walk down and I'd see where slaves were brought off those ships and marched downtown. I'd walk over and I would see people like Rosa Parks, that one day decided, you know what? What's happening is injustice. And I know that if I make a stand, some bad things are going to happen to me. But I refuse to keep letting injustice take place. And if nothing happens, my voice is going to be heard. I want to show you this picture. That's Rosa Parks when she was arrested. All because 
she wouldn't give her seat up on a bus. That's why she got arrested. But see, what people do not realize, and I'm going to try to hurry this up, what people do not realize about the civil rights movement, it was actually a struggle to get enforced what had already been given. Now you need to think about that. And see, what's going on in the spiritual realm today is going to happen, and I believe that it can come from a city like Montgomery, Alabama that spiritual rights will be gone after and we will follow the blueprint of the civil rights movement that took place back in the 50s and 60s right here in this town. Because see, spiritual rights, ladies and gentlemen, is something that Jesus already died and paid the price for. But so many of us are not receiving it and not walking in it because there's bullies... There are bullies that try to convince us, well, that ain't of God. Well, that's passed away. Well, don't believe in that. Don't, oh, oh. Wait a minute. You're nothing but a spiritual bully. My Bible says that these things belong to me, so therefore I'm going to receive them. And see, Rosa Parks, when she stood up on that bus that day, there was a compassion and a passion on the inside of her. A seamstress, guys. A woman that sold for a living stood up and said, You know what? It ain't supposed to be this way. She had no idea that that one act of courage was going to change this world. She had no idea. But she was willing to sacrifice with compassion and passion to do something for the betterment of other men. And we're sitting here today in a better country because of a decision that she made. Oh, some of y'all aren't hearing me today. Thank God for people like that. Thank God for the spirit that was with her. Thank God for people like Dr. King that stood up at 30-something years of age and said, you know what, I really don't understand all this, but I know one thing, I can be used by God, and as he shows me what to do, I'm going to do it, and we're going to change this world. And people firebombed his house. People tried to kill him. People tried to do all these things. But what did he do? He said, no, love never fails when people were trying to get him to stop teaching all of these things about fighting everything with love he said no why because he understood that if you want anything to succeed if you want CLC to succeed the only thing that's going to work is love ladies and gentlemen that's the only thing that's going to work the next picture please actually go back to the other one you can back it up for me. I know I just messed you up, didn't I? See, what you don't understand and maybe you don't realize for those of you, and it's okay, but I would encourage you, spend a Saturday downtown. Walk around. You know that this movement right here took over a year. People walked back and forth to work for over a year. They refused to get on those buses. For over a year, 
There was one elderly lady I was reading about. And she was extremely old. And the job she had was menial labor. And she walked over three miles one way to go to that job to be able to provide a little bit of money to her home. And you know what? One day somebody asked her, said, how you feel? And this was what she said. She said, my feet are tired, but my soul is strong. My God, where's that at in the church? Where's that passion at in the church? To where we can look at something and instead of when things get a little bit difficult, we want to run and hide. We want to run and hide and God say, wait a minute, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I sent my son to die for you, to give you life and life more abundantly. I've given you everything that you have need of. Quit running and start taking this city for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The next picture. See, this led into the 60s. What Rosa Parks did was on December the 1st of 1955. And that went on all the way into December the 20th of 56. And then all of a sudden, the Freedom Riders started taking place. Now, I want you to realize this happened right outside of Anniston, Alabama. These individuals were on that bus, but some bullies, and I keep saying bullies because that's what it is. In other words, we look at it as devil. Just reality of it. You know, you got an issue with me, we'll talk after the service. But I guarantee you, you won't like that talk. <laughs> this right here took place. These individuals, their bus was firebombed because they were trying to stop it. But you know what happened? A group of young people in Nashville, Tennessee, they had a meeting. And they said, you know what? These people right here, they're threatening. There's death threats. A bus just got burned. And these individuals said, you know what? We'll go. Next picture. These two individuals right here got beaten right here in Montgomery, Alabama at the bus station. They were on the next set of buses that came in. A mob met them there and beat them. Pulled them off the bus and beat them. But see, what's incredible to me about these two men is they knew that they were going into harm's way, but they had so much compassion and passion about what they believed in to fight against this injustice, to change this country, that they got on that bus and they were beaten. And what's interesting is, is after they got out of the hospital and after their wounds had been healed, guess what they did? They got back on the bus. They got back home. And see, in the church, has got, well, I'm offended. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm taking my ball and going home. I ain't giving. Are you kidding me? Stay in the game. Stay in the game with some compassion and passion. And no matter how hard and difficult it gets, the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is we win. We win. We win. We've gotten to the point to where so many bad things have happened and things have went on that we've gotten into a fetism mindset to where we're sitting back and going, I wonder what's going to happen next. Lord God. Well, I'm just probably going to get laid off. 
Drive by the gas pump. Man, gas going up again. Man, quit poor mouthing. Stop it. Start seeing the good in something. When the enemy's trying to bully you, rise up and say, you know what? I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I've been made the head, not the tail. I've been made above and not beneath. And no matter what comes against me, I am an overcomer. Amen. Young people. That's why I wanted teenagers in here. During the 60s, a lot of the adults, and you may not understand this, but it's true, you can research it and read it all yourself. There started to be a lot of squabbles in the civil rights movement. And a lot of them were sitting around trying to keep everything organized and trying to figure out who was going to have the power and who was going to be the front person and who was going to be this and who was going to be that and all this type stuff. And praise be to God, guess who rose up? The young people. The school children. The kids in high school went out and said, you know what? We can march. We can march. And parents were horrified. Because show these pictures. This is what happened. Dogs were released on them. Show the next one. Fire hoses were set upon them. But see what took place right here in this city that spread to Birmingham and spread all over these places was these individuals from the oldest to the youngest, took on a mindset that no matter what you do to us, there's going to be more of us that's going to keep showing up. Because I am going to live in the rights that I have as being a human being. Could you imagine, as I get ready to close this, what would happen in a church if we took upon this kind of compassion and passion. Could you imagine how we would turn a city upside down? If we, we don't have to agree with everything, but we do have to be in common thought. And that common thought is, is we're imperfect. God, you're working many things out in our lives. But as you're working those things out in my life, I can get involved and be involved in something that's much bigger than I am. And see, I think that that same spirit that started back with Rosa Parks is still here in this city. That spirit that is waiting on somebody, and it don't take many. It took one to start it. Waiting on somebody to go, I will. I will be that change agent to my family members. I will be that change agent to my coworkers. I will be that change agent to everybody that I come in contact with. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that is what evangelism is all about. It's just going, you know, God. I can believe and trust you for all of this, and I'm going to say this word, crap, that's going on in my life. I can set that over on your lap, enter into your rest, 
because you love me, you're for me, and I know you're going to get it all worked out. I may not know how, but I know you're going to. And I can hook up with some other people and go, I can get involved in that. I can allow that spirit to stir in me a compassion for the lost. A passion for people once again. Because until we have compassion and until we receive passion, the reality of it is, is the church, as the world sees it, is a joke. But it don't have to be that way no more, does it? Is there anybody in here today that can say, and just do it by a raise of hand, and say, you know what? I will. I'll be a change agent. I'll allow God to stir up some compassion on the inside of me. I'll allow God to stir me up, and I'll start seeing things differently to where I can get involved in some people's lives. I can hook up with a bunch of people and say, you know what? We can do this. And guess where it starts at, guys? We've got a prime opportunity coming up this weekend in our fall festival. Renee has made some brochures and flyers out there, passed them things out. We've got some things that we're going to be giving away. But see, this giveaway and what's so important is, is at the tables and stuff, I'm setting up things to where everybody that comes in, they register. We're going to be giving bicycles away and all this stuff. We actually had a company donate the money so we could go buy the bicycles. Then we're giving this stuff away because we want to follow up with these people. We, we just don't want to have an event for the sake of having an event. We want to follow up with them. We don't want to say, oh, won't you come and you know, join our church? Hey, what need do you have in your life? How can we help you? What can I pray with you about? Because that's evangelism. Amen? Amen. Stand in your feet. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.